0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Week's messages on Passion Points. But today's message, I'm going to preach to you from this, this, little, this little topic living the good life. Everybody say, living the good life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go with me in your Bible. Maybe you have a phone or an iPad that has the Bible on it. And if you don't, it's totally cool. I know it's Easter. You You were juggling kids in the last minute. You were trying to get your pink shirt So if you don't have it, no pressure, but Matthew 20. And while you're finding Matthew 20, I want to let everybody know that when you came in, I hope that you were offered a little blue folder. That little small blue folder is our welcome guide. And there in the welcome guide is our, without question, something really cool for us as a church. It's our connection card. So if you're here today and, and you would like to know more about our church, I would love for you to take just a brief moment, fill out that connection card, leave it on your pew when you leave. I make you a promise we won't be weird. Uh, I grew up in a little country church in southwest Louisiana, and there were like a group of women that would show up on Monday to people that visited Sunday at 7 a.m. with cookies and coffee. I would say that's awesome, but not in the Metroplex. That'd be weird. So uh, we're not going to be doing that. We just want to know about your experience. And if you would like any more information, we're here to offer it to you. Let's get going. Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to be reading verses 17 through 19 and reading from the Living Bible this morning. As Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he took 12 disciples aside and he talked to them about what would happen to him when they arrived. Notice these words now. What would happen? Jesus Christ fully, fully, fully knew what was going to be taking place that week. He was not going to be caught off guard. Nothing was going to sneak up on him. He knew what was going to happen. Now listen what he spoke in advance of what would take place. He said, I will be betrayed. We all know that he was betrayed. He said, I will be handed over to die, condemned to die. We know that's what took place. And they will hand me over to the Roman government and I will be mocked, crucified. But we also know he was right. He was spot on with this last statement. And the third day I will rise to life again. He fully knew what was happening in the days to come. And I don't know how you feel today, but I'm grateful to say that he didn't back out of the deal. He stayed true to the will of the Father. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. They buried him in a tomb. And we're here to celebrate the fact that he's alive this morning. So here we go. Living the good life. Whenever I say the phrase, living the good life, what do you think about? I, I think most of us have these different wirings and we say the good life and it's, it's, I want two more donuts or living the good life. Um, I can't wait for, you know, a vacation coming up or the good life. I can't wait till school's out. Anybody in the house? What does the good life mean to you? Maybe you were in, uh, maybe you saw something in your mind that would have been seen on Instagram. To me, when I think of the good life, I think my human nature and your human nature were so wired to think of, of, of luxury and flashiness and flamboyancy. Maybe these images tell the story of the good life. I mean, who wouldn't want a yellow sports car? Come on, somebody. Who wouldn't want the jet life? That's what I'm talking about. Is, is, is that my friend Jim? He's got the red sports car, not the yellow. How about the Ferraris? How, how about the yacht? That's that on Instagram. That's telling the good life. Okay, take that down, or no one's going to listen the rest of the day. Forbes, Forbes magazine, put out. Believe it or not, the ten golden rules on living the good life. What do they say? Do, do, do their words? Does Forbes' words mirror the the Insta? Life, well, let's look here. Engage life with vengeance, number one. Number two, worry about only things that are in your control. That's that's solid. Number three, treasure friendship. Amen. Experience true pleasure. Master yourself, still trying. Avoid excess. Be responsible. Don't be a prosperous fool. Don't do evil to others. Come on, little biblical reference there. And then number 10, be kind. So, I think, I think Forbes is onto to something really good there. I think those are, without question, valuable principles. But on this Easter morning, I want to remind you that they haven't touched it. The Instagram pictures haven't touched it. If you're going to live the good life, that means your life is going to be secured for eternity. The good life is knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I need a better amen than that. Bunch of donut-eating dudes. (laughs) The good life, let me tell you what the good life is. The good life is knowing when you go to bed at night that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the good life. The power of Jesus' resurrection, I want you to look at this real quick. Everybody look up at me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives you the power, the same power, to close the gap between how things are going right now in your life and how they could go with Jesus. If he would have stayed in the tomb, you're done, you're toast. You don't have any, there's no hope. But because that stone was rolled away, if you'll know him in that power, the power of his resurrection, the gap can close. You can actually get to the place where he has intended you to be, and that's whole and healthy from a spiritual application, from a mental application, from an emotional standpoint. God has a wonderful plan for your life, but it comes through knowing him in his resurrecting power. Now, here's what we know about God. God has this long history, this track record. He's got a reputation, if you will, of always leaving things better than he found them. God never stumbles into a situation. First of all, he can't stumble. But when he enters into a situation, he never leaves it the way he found it. He always turns it to good. He brings hope to hopelessness. He brings light into darkness. He brings life into death He's got this history. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, one of my favorite men from way back over into the Old Testament, his name was Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Now, if you grew up churchy like me when you was a kid, you learned that little song, Father Abraham and many sons. Yeah, stop. I'm still trying to get a thing out of my head. But y'all grew up with that song just like I did. I've been curious all my life. How does this happen? How does Abraham get to be the man? How does Abraham get to be the father of many nations? I mean, not that I would want it. I've got two and my hands are strapped. But how do you get to be the father of many nations? Well, the book of Romans tells us how it took place. Romans 4 Verse 17 says that God told Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because, here's the answer. If you wanna know how to get to the good life, if you wanna know how to get things turned around for your good, if you want a little hope in a hopeless place, if you want a little light in a dark environment, here's how it works. Because Abraham believed in the God, who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He placed his faith in God. I've already told you, God has this history, a track record of bringing dead things to life. One of my New Testament favorite examples of this is with a cat named Lazarus. And there's a few things of this story of Lazarus's story that I think you and I can relate to and that we need to hear about. So give me just a few minutes focusing on Lazarus. It's found in the book of John chapter 11, if you want to go there, John 11. Here's the very first thing I think we need to pick up on. God's never going to move on your behalf and bless your life and change your life and turn things around for you based on your love for him. He's going to do it because he loves you. Now, DeNora and I are about to hit our 20th in May. Y'all thought the days of miracles were over, didn't you? Let me tell you something. Lazarus coming to life ain't nothing. That woman sticking with me for 20 years. (laughs) I mean, water to wine, a breeze. That woman hanging with me this long, that's a supernatural miracle. Here's the thing, though. This is what I know about. Our 20 years, it may, it may seem like yours as well. I don't know. But for me, I'm always trying to do something to see if I could, if I could get her to love me more. You know, I'm going to buy her this. I'm going to take her there. I'm going to wine and dine her. I'm just going to flirt with her. I'm going to do that. I don't know why I'm doing this with my body, but you know what I'm saying? It just, I don't even know where that came from. All of a sudden, I went from Pastor Tommy. To, I don't even know what this is, but that's what I do. It doesn't work a lot, but still, I'm 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 going down swinging. I'm trying. But here's what we here's what I know about us. We try our best to show our love, hoping hoping we can just get get a little attention. We do that at work. We do that with friends. We do that with parents. We do that with our children. We're always trying to perform. We're trying to show them what we've got for them in order to get something. This doesn't work with God. You can't perform well enough to get his love. You can't whine and dine him enough. You can't give him enough. His love for you is so crazy. It's so maxed out. It's so abundant. It's so overflowing. And it has nothing to do with your goodness. Nudge your neighbor and say, thank you, Lord. Because you're not good enough but his love for you is based on his goodness. And this is what we learn about Lazarus. Watch this. John 11, verses 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus, verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Some of you, you didn't need any of those songs. You won't need any of this sermon except this one point. This is the reason God woke you up on this Easter Sunday for you to hear this truth. Stop trying to prove yourself to God. And start receiving his love that he has for you. He loves you. Well, we go on. We look at this next part. Same, same scriptures. Jesus said, This sickness is not going to end in death. He's going to live. So he, he basically gathers his troops. He gets his disciples and he says, Let's all go. Let's all go because we're about to see a miracle. But he's asleep. No? He's not really asleep, guys. He's actually, he's dying. He's going to be dead when I get there, and I'm going to bring him to life. And sure enough, part of the group said, awesome. I don't want to miss this miracle, but there's always somebody in the circle. This cat was named Thomas. I'm Thomas, but I go by Tommy because of this reason. (laughs) Always got to be a Thomas in the room. And Thomas, you know what he says? He's got his donut. He's got his latte. And he says, oh, really? So he's going to go and bring him to life. Huh? So help me. It's in the Bible. He says, well, let's all go that we can die with him. (laughs) Always got to be somebody that's going to tell you that the dead things in your life need to be buried. And I want to remind you on this Easter morning. God's into resurrecting dead things. And God's into bringing hope to hopeless places. And God turns lights on in dark environments. God has a way of bringing life if you'll believe in Him. You can't afford to spend another day with haters, with doubters. You can't afford to keep, quote, friends in your circle that believe that you're on your way to your own grave. You need to be doing life. Somebody say, Well, <laughs> don't leave her out there on her own. Right. Listen to me. You need people in your world, in your circle. You need them in your car. You need them on your team. You need them at your table. You need them in your text thread. You need them as followers. And you need to be following them that say to you, the dead things in your life will live. They will not end in the grave. Somebody say amen this morning. Third thing I see in Lazarus' little story. Number one. He loves you. Number two, don't hang out with doubters. Run with people that believe. And the third thing and the final thing out of this little segment is this. Lazarus was dead. It's important for you to understand he didn't have a heartbeat. He wasn't in hospice care. He wasn't on his last breath. The body was lifeless. This is important to note because some of you in this room today, you're looking around the room and you're saying, well, that marriage is broken, but it's still alive. God can do something in that, in that marriage. But ours, it's dead. Well, God can do something in that business because even though it's running in the red, they have a strong forecast of the next quarter and that business is going to turn around. But mine it's dead. Some of you are looking at your own self in the mirror and you're thinking about your dreams and your vision and your future. And you're saying, well, for someone younger or someone smarter, someone more blessed than me, they're going to be okay if they can just get through this season. But me, my season's already over and there is no hope for my tomorrow. It's dead. See, the Jewish culture believed that if a body were to Decease that for at least three days the spirit of that body would still be hovering over it and there was a potential there was a there was a hope still left but once that clock struck midnight and the fourth day arrived that it was pretty much done somebody digged the hole it was time to bury the body what day did jesus arrive to the one he loved dragging the doubting thomas behind him he showed up on day four just to tell us on this Easter Sunday that even though you feel the last breath has been taken, even though you might feel the last beat has been beaten, you might feel though the marriage is toast, the future is dead, there's no hope left in your situation. As dead as it can be, God specializes in resurrecting dead things to life. Don't pick up the shovel just yet because if you're here today, that tells me that you qualify for a resurrection miracle. You qualify for the mighty hand of God to touch your life, forgive you of your past, set you on a new straight direction, and change everything for your tomorrow. If you stay stuck in yesterday, you're never going to see the sun rise in your tomorrow. You need a resurrection experience And you're in the right environment for it. Can someone just clap your hands a little bit this morning? Amen. I I, I hope you receive this. Now, this is what we know. I've already told you that there's a track record. God specializes in this. It's like if he were to turn in a resume, you know, if he were to turn in a resume, he'd be like, I resurrect things. What else do you do? Do you need anything else? I built some furniture as a kid, but I specialize in resurrecting things. I mean, come on, I'll hire him right now. This is how he specializes. Things that we throw away, he makes new again. Things that we part ways with, he says, oh no, that's a treasure, keep it around. And that's what you are. Let me bring you now to... Why we're here today, all around the world this is happening. I find it awesome. In the UK, in Chile, all the way into Asia. No matter where you are today, depending on the on the season, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, depending on this whole little package that we call the good news, the death, burial, resurrection, the truth is there's a lot of dead things coming to life right now as I preach. And by faith, because of you being here, not because of how you're dressed, not because of your last name, but just by being here, just by being here, you have resurrection power literally happening in your life. Well, that's kind of odd, Pastor. How do you know that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And there's faith coming alive in you right now that you didn't even know you had. You thought that I don't even have enough faith to believe. Can I tell you what the Bible says about you? The Bible says that you've been given a measure of faith. Well, what's the measurement? Exactly the right one you need. To what? To come to life. Let me read you the greatest portion of Scripture about our Jesus. It's the resurrection story as our worship team comes and helps me close, this is the resurrection story. Luke chapter 23. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, father i entrust my spirit into your hands and with those words he breathed his last they took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth laid it in a new tomb that had just been carved out of the rock this was done late on friday afternoon the day of preparation as the sabbath was about to begin As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home. They went home to prepare spices and ointments because they wanted to serve Jesus' dead body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, (laughs) the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They'd been working all night long. They found that the stone had been rolled away. So they went in. But they found the body was not there, the body of Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly out of nowhere appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified And they bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, why are you looking among the dead? Why are you here in a cemetery looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Do you not remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man would be betrayed in the hands of sinful men. That he would be crucified. But yet that he would rise again. On the third day. This is the resurrection story of Jesus. And because of the power of his resurrection, I can read you Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, if he moves into your heart, He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Because when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Somebody say the good life. You want to live the good life? You don't need to go spend any money. You want to live the good life? You don't need to pack a suitcase. You want to live the good life? You don't have to make a reservation somewhere. You want the good life? You just believe right here this very morning that anything and everything that you've given up on can live again. The most important thing, your eternity. All you need to do is be in the right environment. Sir Ken Robinson. He gave one of the most profound speeches. It was one of the TED Talks. This room, I know this room. This room's full of people that, like me, you, you love learning. I'm sure you've seen as many TED Talks as I have. I hope that you've seen this one in particular. Because Sir Kenneth Robinson introduced us as a society of this truth that education education is not as as good as the curriculum education is as good as the curriculum is being taught in a certain environment curriculum is one thing curriculum being taught in the right environment changes everything it's the environment that makes the aha moment it's the environment that causes light bulb moments. It's the environment that allows the curriculum to do what the curriculum does. It's not the curriculum. It's the environment that the curriculum is shared. And to everyone in this room, let me tell you what kind of environment that you're in right now. It has nothing to do with a building. It definitely has nothing to do with a preacher. But you're in the environment of faith the Bible tells us it's faith that pleases God you're in a place that believes that all things are possible dead things can live in California there's somewhere called Death Valley Death Valley is exactly how it sounds here's a picture of it Death Valley it's just dead it's barren crusty silent it's lacking that's death valley and this is exactly how some of you feel about your world your situation that the only thing you have is lifeless but here's a story about environment it was December 2004 that something odd happened the environment changed because in December of 2004 Death Valley, California had about seven inches of rain in just a few days and out of nowhere Death Valley became this you want me to tell you how? because there were seeds they were there they just needed resurrected the previous picture might look like your marriage The previous picture might look like your future. The previous picture, it might look like your emotional stability in your mind. It might look like the attacks that you're feeling in your family. Maybe it's your profession. But can I tell you, you have a seed. It's a measure of faith. God's planted it within you. It just needs to be in the right environment. And it just needs to be nurtured. How do you nurture it? take a chance of believing in God before you dig the grave before you file the paper before you change the locks before you disappear can I just tell you something you have a seed and it qualifies for resurrecting I'm asking our worship team to lead us in a little course one or two more times And then I'm going to return. And I'm going to give you an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going to give you the opportunity to live the good life. You're going to get an opportunity to write your name in the Lamb's book of life. You're going to get the opportunity to reach over and hold his hand or her hand and say, "Let's let's just try a little longer. Let's see if God can resurrect.